0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending in QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo,
1: quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dies! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by DoorDash and Bet Online. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight is my co-host, our own official drip police liaison, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, man?
2: What's up, what's up, what's up, man? I'm doing a lot better after that loss. Like last night I was just so bummed, but yeah, I feel a lot better now.
1: Like the way I Okay, so my process when it comes to losses, it's funny too, because my girlfriend's always like, oh, I'm sorry after they lose, you know, like like I'm like feeling bad, but like it's a combination of like two things now. One, when I started the all the writing and covering the team stuff, you obviously have to scale back on the fanness in order to do a good job. And then two like since I coach, I kinda look at it like that too, if that makes sense. So like every time there's like a loss, I think I'm like thinking about all the mistakes and like what they could do to fix them and, and like what would have happened if they fixed them and like you know what I mean? It's like it's like a weird point of view. Like I don't get bummed out. I just like critically think about what the team should have done or what they can do going forward. <laughs> it's kinda yeah. like weird. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm like a robot. But well
2: yeah, it's a it's a it's definitely a different way of looking at it. Um I look at a lot of things like that as well, you know. Um, you know, from the first game, you know, I looked at oh my gosh, that that block putt. And it seems like, you know, four Niners will really looked at it too, because I think that went into Kyle Nelson being, you know, waved. But um Peace. I'm always looking at, you know, certain just moments and like is it fixable is it correctable like what is the issue and yeah it kind of gives me a different perspective a lot of times on wins and losses and kind of why they happen but at the end of the day loss is a loss you know
1: right yeah and it was uh i mean it was about i wouldn't say it's as ugly as it gets because obviously things could get a lot worse but it was pretty bad that was about as as, as bad as you would hope to see from this team going forward. Now, I'm not. I'm certainly not saying that's their last loss, but I'm saying that the team just doesn't look that bad going forward. Obviously, a huge part of that. We'll get into it. We got our winners and losers. Huge part of that was was who was at quarterback and 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 kind of the things that happened around him. But I mean, it was that's just as bad as you get. So, Kyle Shanahan spoke with the uh, with the media today. Um. Not to uh, pile on, but K1 Williams, the 49ers uh, starting nickel corner, standout nickel corner too, one of the best in the league. Uh, he suffered a knee sprain that he was apparently trying to play through, but eventually just couldn't go. Um, he's expected to go on injured reserve, which remember just means three weeks at a minimum. It could be more than that, absolutely. Um, but they he suffered a knee sprain, and he's expected to go on injured, injured reserve. Uh Taylor, what's the what's his first name again, Crocker? The Taylor, the guy that's going to have to come in for him? Jamar? Yeah, there you go. There you go. So that'll be, uh, I, I'm assuming that'll be his replacement, especially considering how thin the 49ers are at that position. They can't really do too much shuffling around. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, at least for right now, is still out with a concussion. Uh, we don't know how bad that is and when he'll come off of uh, the protocol. Keller Witherspoon is, is expected back this week. So, you know, that'll at least give them a little something to work with there. Uh, Ziggy Onsa, the defensive end that the 49ers brought in to help kind of replace Nick Bosa. Uh, he tore his bicep, and he is done for the season. He's also going on injured reserve. So, I mean, that's that's crazy because, I mean, <laughs> you know, you lose Solomon Thomas. You lose Nick Bosa. You bring in a guy to replace Nick Bosa, and then you lose that guy. And uh, you know that's just super, super unfortunate. There's, I mean, it's it's one of those sick jokes type of things at this point. You know, it's like, are you're almost like, is the team doing something wrong? Like what? But obviously, (laughs) it's just it's just incredibly bad luck. Um. So Shanahan did say, uh, I mean, taking a slight turn towards positivity, town. Uh, Shanahan is hopeful that Jimmy Garoppolo, Dre Greenlaw, Raheem Mostert, and Akella Witherspoon will return to practice this week. Uh, That does not mean that they will be ready to roll for the game against the Dolphins. So, I mean, they're going to return. I I mean, I would probably lean towards Jimmy playing. Um, I'd probably lean towards Raheem not playing. Um, And then I'd probably think Dre Dre Greenlaw might play just based on the fact that his injury was only reported as a thigh contusion, a thigh bruise that could have also been a a bone bruise as well, which are very, very, very painful. So, you know, they could be giving him plenty of time for that. But um, Shanahan went on to say that, you know, although Richard Sherman's window is opening to be um, to come off injured reserve, uh, he's not confident that uh, Richard Sherman and Raheem Mostert will, will be ready to roll for this week or, you know, practice. So, We'll see. He kind of kind of contradicted himself a little bit with the fact that he, he was hopeful Raheem would come back, but then he's not confident that he will. Or maybe he was <laughs> uh, referring to the game, you know, that, that just because they're coming back to practice doesn't mean they're going to play. I, for one, was surprised that the 49ers were uh, – let Debo Samuel go because that was essentially his first week of practice. And then they're like, you're good, you know, but kind of how me and Crocker talked about. You know that, that just because it was his first week of practice doesn't mean that was his first week of rigorous physical activity, type of deal. So, um, and then last but not least on the uh, on the injury or excuse me on the on the updates front, there has been no decision on the 49ers backup quarterback situation between Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. Um, so I mean, there's, like I I was joke I joke and it's, it's, this is the best thing too about Twitter is you can kind of hide your sarcasm. Which actually is actually result. The results are pretty funny, but I tweeted that the Forty ers had a backup QB controversy, and <laughs> and people were replying to it like, "No, it's not. Beathard is the clear winner here, and Nick Mullins sucks." And I'm, crazy. And I'm they
2: hate it. They just hated it, Beathard. They just hated Bethard. Beathard. Like I had people tweet me like, I mean, just the most. I'm gonna find it. Go ahead, continue your you know your point, and I'm gonna tell you what. <laughs> What what somebody said? This woman said. I, I had a bunch of bunch of tweets about Bethard. It is so crazy how that has changed. I'm shocked.
1: <laughs> <Shouldn't> <laughs> are be. you really shocked though? I know that's why I it shouldn't be. Are you really shocked?
2: Where it's is just that woman's tweet? It's just there a was matter like a of million tweets. There was there was like a million uh, over replies all from comments. the same person. No, just like over a hundred comments of people just telling me like how stupid like I am and. How much, uh, you know, better Mullins is than CJ Beathard?
1: Well, I mean, if if we're hearing, if we're if we're having to hear from fans that think Nick Mullins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, then I mean, imagine what they think of Nick Mullins versus CJ Beathard. I can only imagine. I mean, there were so many people that were so passionate about the fact that Nick Mullins was a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo that I I can't even imagine what their frame of mind is right now. You know, like, obviously, if if we have no idea how Jimmy Garoppolo would have performed in that same situation. It's kind of unfair to assume he would have been better. But at the same time, Nick Mullins was just so bad that I can only imagine some of, like, the people that were tweeting at me when during the week leading up to this game, all I was doing was saying, look, there's been almost no evidence whatsoever to suggest that Nick Mullins would do a better job running this offense than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I I was not saying that that Nick Mullins sucked. I wasn't saying that Jimmy Garoppolo was the greatest. I was just saying, look, here's the two stats, here's their wins and losses, here's how both of them have performed when given an opportunity. Even Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017, when the 49ers had almost nothing going on on offense to be happy with. Uh, and he came in and, and was five and zero. Oh. so I've just always had a, a high opinion of what Jimmy Garoppolo is able to do in this offense. But still, I just was bombarded with people that thought I hated Nick Mullins just by presenting a comparison between how the two have done in Kyle Shanahan's offense when they have started. And I was just like and I could only imagine the people that were so angry, just like gripping their phones, like shaking as as Mullins just self ignites and and implodes on himself uh, on primetime television because there's no part of me that is, I don't know, personally invested in who's starting. If Nick Mullins lit it up and threw for four touchdowns, zero interceptions against the Eagles, I would be freaking so psyched for the guy and I would be so pumped. Like it would be awesome just to watch that unfold and and get a legitimate QB controversy to talk about. But we weren't there yet. And it was just a rude awakening for a lot of people that I know were just very personally invested in Nick Mullins for whatever reason. But did you uh, did you dig up your stuff, Crock?
2: I, I couldn't find it. But it, it it was some kind of message from this lady. She basically said something along the lines of, she'd rather die than watch C.J. better play quarterback again. So it was something along <laughs> the lines of that. <laughs> like, so, yeah.
1: Well, and it's... There's so many things that go into that too. I could, I could really, I could mention it, you know, it, slightly along the lines of politics and and why a lot of Forty Nine er fans would would dislike Beathard, but it, it's just not something I really choose to get into. But I, I can I can guarantee you that also plays a lot into why people like would per, would seem like they genuinely dislike him. Like, of course, you can be like, no, no, he's not good. But then there's people that seem like they're just personally invested in, in hating any, it happens a lot too. personally invested in making sure they hate on any individual player. Right. You know, it's, it's, so there's a little bit of that involved in Beathard, but I mean, for what he was given, he came in and looked pretty good. I mean, he was, they were playing a super, super soft defense, just trying to keep everything in front of him, Right. And, but some of those throws he made in a pretty tight windows, he got the ball out pretty quick and, and, just stepping for a guy like Beathard, who's basically been the third string quarterback all off season to step in at the end of the game with a real chance of, of bringing your team back and making some of those throws and being on target and basically completing like, eight, I think at one point he was like eight of eight, you know, like yeah. even if he was like 14 the, and 15 at like one point, right? Even if the the Eagles are playing a, an easy or a prevent defense, you know, like that's still not exactly easy. You know, there's a lot of pressure in that situation. You're not warm. You're you're you haven't been given the reps throughout the offseason or throughout, you know, the week of practice to just step in and and, you know, do that. So, I mean, he still took advantage of what he had. And wasn't the like the kind of like the arm talent, like immediately apparent?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously we knew that. Like my, my biggest thing was in like some of the issues that you hear, you know, from from about Beathard or whatever, at least from fans, and, and, and I and I do remember seeing this sometimes, is he just holds on to the ball too long, and it seemed like his pocket presence was a little wack,
1: right? Well, yeah, and even um, even his own teammates, even I think it was Marquise Goodwin said that.
2: Yeah, and like, I, I thought, you know, yesterday, at least, you know, obviously you're, 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 he was given, you know, something that he truly understands that he's been in, like, he must have, you know, practiced these – Two minute drills. Well, maybe in training camp. That's probably last time he did. But um, I did think that he did a good job of being decisive, getting the ball out of his hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, and whatever, whether it was a soft um, coverage or whatever, he still was very decisive. With okay, I need to do this, and I'm doing this. And I thought just from that standpoint, just of um, seeing it, throwing it, completing it, converting it. I I thought I was I was happy with that. Um, you know, getting the ball out of his hand. So you know, if he could do that, then you know, that seemed to be maybe one one of his bigger issues. I would like to see him, and maybe that wasn't the time to do it, but you know, you can make some play with your legs, like especially like on that two minute warning. I mean two minute uh two point conversion. He's like, Hey, you 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 can run this in right now. Now, maybe he thought like as he was kind of creeping up the DB would come off a of kittle and the D B never did. Maybe that's what he was thinking, but Go ahead, run that in and get that two-point conversion, because now it's a three-point game, and that really changes a lot of things. But right, uh, and I
1: and I in, in defense of Kittle on that play too, I think Kittle kind of thought the same thing. Like Kittle almost looked surprised that Bethard threw it. And and Bethard put a little heat on it, even though the two of them were like three yards apart from each other. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and, and 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 it was behind him. But I mean Kittle did get his hands around it, but that doesn't, you know, everything it's not black and white. Um, it was a tough, tough ball to catch. And at the same time, I think Kittle was just, like I was saying, a little surprised that Beathard even decided to throw it. Like, like he was taking his defender away and, and there was nobody in front of Beathard and and he kind of just threw it anyways. And, and Kittle was like, Oh shit. And, and, you know, that was that. And it's not like he floated it to him or just, or, or underhanded it to him. He freaking just boom. So Yeah. um, yeah, that was a little crazy, but jitters that looked like a jitters play you know what i mean like like oh shit i gotta get you the ball like it's it's just it's hard to explain it's hard to explain um so yeah i don't know man i don't know i guess we'll get to some winners and losers yeah let's do kind of we kind of broke it down but before we do that we'll we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food's on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and use code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code Blue Wire, all one word. You're gonna get five dollars off with your first order on DoorDash. Have you ever, Croc? Have you ever been to a Have you ever heard of or been to a sandwich sandwich place called Ike's? Yeah, you have.
2: I don't remember if it was good or not, but yeah, I, I've been there.
1: I've, I've, I had it for the first time in the Bay Area, and I like went to an, an actual location. I mean, obviously that, that's what's here too, but. And, it, and this place had like a hundred choices. It was somewhere in San Jose. I can't remember where, but we uh, we went there on the way home from a 49ers game. And it was so good. And they built a couple of Ikes um, here in Fresno. When I had an Ikes at the time, there was no Ikes in in Fresno. But since then, they built a couple of them. And 90% of my, my DoorDash orders are Ikes sandwiches. And it's like the same sandwich every time. Like it, I just clicked the little reorder button and I'm like, boom, let's go. You know they just they have some good sandwiches. They're all called something different, but here's a tip. Here's a veteran ch- tip for anybody listening. If you use DoorDash and you find Ike's, wh- when you do that, go onto the, the internet and look up the Ike's sandwich menu because they have like a hundred sandwiches. But on the DoorDash app, they only have like five or six. Like They just want you to order one of these five or six. So what I do is I choose one that's the same price as the one I get on the menu. And then in the notes below, when you order it, you like pick your bread, but then scroll down to the notes and then type in there the actual sandwich that you want. And they change it for me every single time. And we do it two times every time we order. One for me, one for the girlfriend. We both change it to the one we actually want. They always do it. And so you know, I just felt like that's awesome. you know it was just, the first time we started to do, I was like, hey, it worked and uh, and they all, we just make sure that we choose a sandwich that's like the same price. If anything, maybe like a dollar more that way they don't say like, sorry, your sandwich is more expensive than the one you ordered, so we can't give it to you, you know, because you already paid for it. so right anyways, that's my it's my veteran tip for everybody out there, but I was I was just hoping that since I had it for the first time in the Bay area and it was really busy. It seemed like a local spot that there would be striking gold listeners that had herder bikes and could relate to my, my success and my love affair with their sandwiches.
2: Yeah. I think that's they're where I good. had it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're really good. They have a, they have a, they have a bread called Dutch crunch. That's like super good. It's like a, it's like a white bread. That's like real, like crumbly and crunchy. It's nice. It's nice. It's real nice. Anyways, some winners and losers okay some of these are going to be obvious some of them we we do try and like kind of pick players that weren't necessarily like the obvious picks but sometimes you can't avoid that especially when the 49ers lose like there's only so much good you're going to be able to pull out of a a loss you know so it's we're doing our best here um you know, it's oh, obviously we're always going to try and keep it positive. But Crocker, since I've been talking for way too long about Nike <laughs> sandwiches, why don't you why don't you start us off with your first your first winner of the 49ers loss?
2: Um, all right, which way do I want to go with this? I'll, I'll go with defense first, and I'll say Jason Barrett. Now, the easy way out is being like Fred Warner, right? Because he was all over the place. But I'm going to go with Barrett because I wanted to see. I expect. Warner to be good. I expect Warner to be good. But Verrett, again, coming off the injuries, um, you know, you didn't really know exactly what you were going to get. Was he going to be consistent? Played well against the Giants, extremely well. Can he do it again? God damn it, he did it again. (laughs) I haven't looked at the OPS yet, but I do know one thing. He was never the issue in this game. Uh, Now, uh, there may or may not have been a blown assignment. That tart covered up for him downfield almost had an interception. I'm not sure don't know the responsibilities, uh, but it kind of looked that way a little bit, and then he did give up a slant on third down, but again, I really like how he contested the slant route, but aside from that, man, he was never the issue, and looked like he did against the Giants again, I have to watch the film, but that's the first guy, and just that was my biggest thing, right, okay, do it again, can you do it again and Again, not playing against the best receivers, but he did it again. So that's my first winner.
1: Well, and, and to your point, cornerback is a little like offensive line. Like if you're not hearing their name, then they're doing their job. And if you are hearing their name, then obviously you want it to be that they made like an amazing play, you know, but for the most part, if you're not hearing a corner's name, then then they're just doing their job and they're they're not throwing it their direction. So, I mean. if 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 that's something Brett definitely succeeded at and again we're talking about a guy who's had to overcome so 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 much to get to the point he is just the fact that he was able to put together two games good games you know impressive games even like we're on the right track you know what I mean you gotta you gotta have different expectations for a guy who's overcome what he's overcome and Hopefully he could just keep it going. I know you could just see it in his press conference, dude. Like he wants so bad to just be able to go out there and do his thing. You know, like it'll be cool to see if, if, see if he can make it happen. But so where Kronk went, you know, another route of, I guess, something a little more under the radar. Um, I'm here to bring you the obvious winners and I'm going to start with George freaking Kittle. Because it was his first game back after missing two. And, I mean, that dude. Okay, so here's, here's the best way to describe it. Okay, The 49ers, through the air, the 49ers put up a total of 338 yards. Okay? 338 yards total through the air between Nick Mullen's 200 and CJ's 138. George Kittle accounted for over half of those with 183 yards. Which is just stupid. I mean that's just stupid. And he also caught every single one of his targets, fifteen of fifteen. Um, the the drop ball in the uh, end zone during the extra point doesn't statistically count because extra points don't count. So as far as the regular, you know, the, the actual game, he was fifteen of fifteen, caught a touchdown. But what I saw from George Kittle that I liked the most, that is the most encouraging, is something that we've mentioned quite a bit in this podcast. And that is his ability to out-muscle somebody for the football or use his size and his athletic ability to go up and over somebody for the football. And I saw that twice, one on his touchdown where he went up and grabbed the ball and then quickly ripped it back and around so the DB didn't even have any say in it. I don't know if it was a DB or a safety. Well, I mean a safety is a DB or a linebacker, but – went up got the ball and quickly ripped it back down and around so the db had no say i like that and then there was another play where um nick Mullins was rolling out to the right threw it up and backwards across the field uh to george kittle kind of just basically like a throw it up to george kittle and he did exactly what you would hope he would do and just went up grabbed the ball and out muscled the other guy for it and In all the things we've seen George Kittle do and all the amazing things he's had in his record breaking season and the Super Bowl run and stuff, we've never really seen that type of he's had he's had a few, but we've never really seen that type of play where sure he's done incredible things after the catch. Like, you know, he did it again against the Eagles. At one point it took three or four of them to bring him down. But we've never really seen him like just go up and and moss somebody for the football. Right. Just go up and, and Shaquille O'Neal the hell out of somebody, move him out of the way and do what you need to do. You know, and and I felt like we saw that a couple times in this game, which is a good sign for me. I feel like if that part of his game develops even more, you're like he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. That's it. You know, that's why you're looking at wide receiver one type numbers right here. 15 out of 15, 183 yards and a touchdown. Because George Kittle is like a wide receiver run. He's he's that athletic. He's that good. Obviously, he doesn't have like the deep four three speed or anything like that. But I mean, the guy is capable of just taking over games. And 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 I th- always felt like that part of his game was just the one part that could get turned up another notch. Does that make sense, Croc?
2: Nah, definitely. That that's been my thing with him. And what has kind of separated him from you know other guys in. I don't want to say a negative way, but, you know, when you think of Travis Kelsey as, like, good route runner, good receiver, better receiver, and George Kittle is, like, good blocker and good run after catch, you know, but it's all Kyle Shanahan. So, But to see him, you know, start to kind of really add to that, I thought he did last year um, as more of not just, you know, he can obviously stretch the field but be a possession guy, but then now it's like, okay, the next step, can you be more of a contested catch guy? And, you know, we saw him pull down a couple yesterday. That was good to see.
1: Right. right. You want him to, to be a guy. And, and there's so many times where even these types of guys fail at doing it. But you want him to be a guy where if, if all else fails, just find George Kittle and and make sure there's a little height on the ball. You know what I mean? Like you want him to be that guy. And, and that doesn't mean he'll be able to do it every time because not even the best do it every time. But it uh, that's kind of the, what you want him to be for this offense, especially with what they're going through right now.
2: Right. Yep.
1: So um who's your uh, who's your next winner there uh, Croc crock time you?
2: All right, next winner is uh Jet McKinnon. And you know, I was really critical of him last week. I just thought he missed a lot of holes and I didn't really care for exactly how he was running. I thought he ran decent. He had a couple nice runs, but I didn't see like the consistency in in which I would like to see him like read holes and things like that. And I I felt like watching the game uh, Sunday night, he, the, the offensive line blocking was atrocious, just like it was, you know, for the past uh, protection, but man, I mean, there would be a guy right there in the backfield. He'd make a guy miss. Like when you look at his numbers, he averaged 3.9 yards a carry, you know, 14 carries, 54 yards. Like that's not great. But
1: I mean, he made
2: guys miss.
1: That he, was a hard know,
2: 3.9. Yeah, it was hard as hell. And there were still runs in there where I'm like, ooh, nice. Okay, ooh, nice. And then the touchdown, ooh, Shade got, uh, uh, you know, put his head right into his chest. Boom, knock him back, score. Like, I thought he ran so hard. And, you know, for someone that wasn't given any run lanes, he was not given any run lanes. He made the most out of really every opportunity that he had just to get something. And it was really impressive to me. And he was able to somewhat keep the Eagles defense honest. Because when you're running it like that, like Kyle knows, like, man, I'm running into a damn brick wall every time, but I have to try to keep this team honest and at least give the threat that I will run the ball. And I thought McKinnon did a really good job with that. Then obviously in the passing game, he caught seven passes for 43 yards. So, you know, that's solid too, you know, almost hundred yards. Uh, total on on the game Uh, and he scored uh, one touchdown, but just the effort, the ability in which I saw him carry the ball with no run lanes, I was really impressed. And we've seen other guys like, I'm not comparing him to Saquon Barkley, but was it week one Saquon Barkley had like more carries than he had yards. He had like six yards in an entire game. That's what happens when you don't really have run lanes. And I thought like this was a game where McKinnon you would think Kyle Shanahan run the ball really well the the run blocking has been terrible outside of a couple big runs from uh McKinnon that against the Jets and Mostert like the run blocking has been terrible but I thought he made the most of his opportunities and made the run blocking look better than what it was because yeah it, it wasn't good so that's my second win
1: Right, and I think that's a good one, too. And, and that's one of the things that, and what's all, even though the 49ers didn't win, one of the things you and I talked about leading up to the game was, remember how I was saying, like, how the hell do the Saints always manage to get, like, eight yards with Alvin Kamara, like, five times a drive? You know, like, and they still do it way more than, like, the 49ers. But it was nice to finally see them just allow McKinnon to kind of, you know, step up and pass, pro If nothing's going on, leak out, pick a side. And then you know, just pick up five or six yards, like you know what I mean. Like if if nothing's open downfield, obviously, you don't want to necessarily get how the Saints are getting right now because Drew Brees hella old, you know, where he's just like there could be guys open downfield, and obviously they haven't had uh, Michael Thomas, but there could be guys open downfield. He's like, yeah, I'll take some Kamara again. Yeah, here you go again. You know what I mean, like. But but it was good to see McKinnon catch seven passes and just be involved in in helping the 49ers sustain drives continuously cuz sometimes depending on what's out there you just got to take what's given to you you know if they're going to sell out then just then just dump it off and get some yards especially for a backup backup quarterback um, my last uh, i mean we'll, I want to hit one more uh, after this but my last like major winner you know somebody who really contributed was Eric Armstead, um who just seemed like he was living in the backfield, and and I don't have his pro football focus numbers in front of me, but I mean I'm sure they're they're pretty impressive as far as you know quarterback pressures and stops because just on his basic stats, you know he had five combined tackles, a half a sack that he shared with Kerry Hider, um, he had six quarterback hits, which is more than the entire rest of the defensive the defense combined. And then he also had a tackle for loss. And like I said, I think pro football focus would probably break that down even better. But the guy was constantly in the backfield. And that's just what you want to see for a team that, you know, had to part ways with DeForest Buckner and paid Eric Armstead, you know, a guy who in the past had a couple, you know, injuries, some, some bad luck with injuries, you know, just making an impact and constantly being a part of the play. And he was, there were so many times where he was, and it didn't always work out, but there were so many times where he was involved with, with getting in Carson Wentz's face and forcing him to move off his spot. And, you know, like I said, sometimes that didn't necessarily finish how the 49ers would want it to finish. But he was just constantly winning his matchups. And the Eagles offensive line is, wasn't the greatest. It was a little beat up. So he did what you should do against a beat up offensive line. You know, I don't necessarily know who he was who he was going against majority of the time, whether it was a, a starting player or somebody who had to step in, but he looked good. And he and that's and that's all the 49ers need him to do is continue to be disruptive along that defensive line. Because surprisingly enough, you know, him and and Kerry Hyder and the way they've been blitzing Fred Warner uh, and Javon Kinlaw, you know, he's looking pretty solid. They've they've been able to get good pressure on the teams they've played. You know, and that and that's just what the 49ers, they just, the the guys that they have have to find ways to win uh, if they're going to have have any hope of being uh, competitive after you lose someone like, like Nick Bosa. But Eric Armstead, great game, very disruptive, and, uh, you know, it's good to see him him uh, doing big things after they, they traded DeForest Buckner.
2: You know, and I actually saw somebody say that Eric Armstead, like, was not good. Like they were watching, they were watching that game. And it was like Eric Armstead is not good. That's not the exact tweet, but it was along those lines. I was like, People will what? just
1: say whatever. People will just say whatever. You know what Twitter needs? When you hit like, tweet or respond or whatever, Twitter needs something every single time you ever write it. Every every hit that button, it, Twitter just says, "Are you sure?" And then you have to press, and then you have to press yes. Because I just feel like maybe, like, look, and this is not in any way a flex. Having a lot of followers is cool. But at the same time, the amount of dumb shit that you have to read on a daily basis is fucking nauseating. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> like, like I, I know this probably sounds like a celebrity, Like, and I'm not comparing myself to a celebrity. But you know when you hear celebrities bitch about, like, the paparazzi and being famous? Yeah. You know, you're, there's a part of you that like, you're like, come on, bro. Like you make millions, shut up. And I'm sure that's what people are thinking about me right now. But that's, like I said, I, I didn't want any of this to come off like that. It's just, you're just exposed to that much more dumbassness assness constantly. You guys, I've probably muted 500 people. <laughs> no joke. 500. Like, because it's just like every time I see a a Twitter comment that is so needlessly stupid, like it has the the the, the comment doesn't even need to exist on Twitter. It's that stupid. I just I go eh, mute like because I know that I've got more of those coming my way, and I just don't want to hear them. But anyways, just talk to me real quick, Crocker. We we won't listen. I mean, I guess he is one of our winners because I put him on there. But I mean, what you what you what did you see from Brandon Ayuk, man?
2: I think we saw the explosiveness
1: that we wanted to see. Now, you know,
2: and I tweeted this out. I'm like, man, like, I wish the offensive line would hold up long enough to where we could pass the ball downfield to our receivers, <laughs> because we just have like some, a
1: normal pass to a receiver. You yeah, know what I mean? No,
2: normal pass. And I mean the offensive line was just getting destroyed. So obviously, we saw George Kittle have a huge night, like you mentioned earlier, 15 catches on 15 targets. It's a little easier when that's the guy that's kind of like in front of you and you see him right right there. And that's the shorter, dis- shortest distance that the ball has to travel. Um, they, they just couldn't get the ball to the outside. And typically I would say, well, the quarterback's not really trying to throw outside, but tonight they just didn't even have a chance to get the ball out to the receivers if it wasn't a screen. But we did see on the screen play that kind of as a run, uh, I use just ability and one thing, you know, I had tweeted out the video, you you uh, quote tweeted and talked about like, you know, just kind of his balance and how he kind of bounces off tackles. We've seen it like enough times now, like it's not like he's had the ball a ton, but I'd say on about half the times he touches the ball, he bounces off guys and it looks weird because I keep thinking he's going to go down. I think in the Jets game, he got one end around and like bounced off two guys on like, you know, a nine yard carry. And it's just, yeah, it's just, or not on 9-yard carry. I think it was on his, uh, it was like when he came kind of underneath in motion and they kind of dumped it off to him. He bounced off right. like two guys. Like, he continuously does that. And he did it yesterday. Like, I think the biggest win from there is just just flashing his ability, making his presence felt, and showing like, yeah, I, I can be an impact player if you guys just get the ball to me. And I, I thought that was definitely, that was a win.
1: Yeah, the, the whole bouncing off guys shit, is just a little weird to me like Brandon Ayuk is not a, a big dude. Like he's not he's not even like stocky. I mean, he's 6 Google has him at 6 foot 205, which is not small by any means. The 49ers have him at 6 foot 200. But I mean, this guy just is like taking shots and just like bouncing off them and I think it has more to do with like balance than anything. Like he understands when he's getting hit, how much he can let his body give as long as he just maintains his balance throughout that process. Like, the, when I quote tweeted you a little bit ago and just said, like, dude, Brandon Ayuk has this, I, I've already seen it a few times. Like, and you talked about it. It's like this, just this weird ability to just absorb a hit and just keep running. And, <laughs> I, I, and then I replied with that with the video from earlier where he caught that third down conversion for like four or five yards. And I don't know if it was a safety or a DB, just comes flying up and hits him as hard as he could and Ayuk just kind of like absorbs it bounces to the right gets his footing and then stays in and then still tries to to add a few more yards cuz i don't think he quite knew at the time if he was past the six or not but like that's just it was just weird like he's not like lowering his shoulder and running through people he's just like letting them hit him and he's just like i'm good i'm just going to keep running it's just it's weird man and, and yeah. you know it's, it's like freaky stuff you know the 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 hit stuff, the, the the jumping six feet into the air to over the top of a dude, like that's some freaky stuff. Yeah, and then you know he's got his you got his arms that are like eighty something inches long, which is like a little absurd for a guy that's six foot. Like <laughs> Jimmy Ward said he could scratch his ankles standing up. You know, <laughs> once,
2: like once the 49ers get kind of the the offensive line together and they can really start using Ayuk in the passing game, he, he's gonna be He's gonna be a lot of trouble. He's gonna be a lot of trouble because he gives you all that. Like he gives you, he gives you, he gives you the, the underneath stuff, the end around stuff, and it's kind of like Debo, but he is more of like just kind of a pure receiver with separating ability. Once he once he starts to really develop in in this offense, man, it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be trouble. It's gonna well, be trouble.
1: Think, yeah, the encouraging thing that I would offer you about Ayuk is a lot of the beat reporters were, were talking about just how impressive he was in training camp and how quickly he had developed a rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, if that, if that's the case, and, and I think it was Matt Mayoka that said he was, Ayuk might've been the most impressive rookie wideout he he's ever seen from the 49ers, you know, and, and if him and Jimmy already have a little bit of a rapport going at least we can hope that, will the moment Jimmy comes back in cuz Ayuk didn't play in week 1, right?
2: He did not.
1: Yeah, I'm just making like I've been talking to myself out of, out of a lot of stuff I know recently. So he didn't play in week 1 and that was the only game where we saw a full Jimmy. Um and then Jimmy only played for the first half in week 2 and um Ayuk wasn't wasn't really, you know, a part of that that game yet and uh did did Ayuk even play in week 2? He did.
2: Yeah, that was the Jets game. He
1: scored. No, wait. Wait. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he scored in the Jets game.
1: Okay. And he he scored, also scored in the Giants? No, no. No, no, I I think we're tripping ourselves out here right right now. Yeah, yeah. No,
2: but he did play in the Jets game because he had uh, he had like two catches for 20-something yards and a a couple catches for like 20 yards or something like that.
1: Right, right, okay. So, hey, we're we're sorting ourselves out right here in front of y'all. So we ain't embarrassed to act like we don't know everything, especially when you got to talk about it all the time. So yeah, he he did play against the Jets. um, Had a couple receptions for twenty yards. Didn't have the rushes he had, um, like that he's developed. So yeah, he scored two games in a row. He scored against the Giants and he scored against Philadelphia. And in both of those games, we just kind of saw that freaky ability. But obviously. We're talking about like the fact that you know Jim, what I'm trying to say here is is Jimmy hasn't even really played this season in a game with Brandon Ayuk for the most part, so you're hoping that those two kind of just step in and right away start clicking, uh, because you do want to see the 49ers just get the ball out to their receivers and and, ho- and and like Crocker said, the offensive line has to cooperate, but you just want to see the 49ers throw some passes to their receivers a little bit more. And you can tell Shanahan's just being creative with it because he's got to work with what he's got. And he's got to try and get these guys involved with, as at least right now, not having confidence that his quarterback or his line is going to allow him to just get the ball out there. So he's doing what he can to get these guys touches. But you're hoping when Jimmy comes back, maybe we see a little bit more uh, just an expanded offense. So anyways, losers, people that lost. and And we're not saying these people are just bad people or – we're not actually calling them losers, but we're talking we're talking about people that kind of actively contributed to the result. And pretty sure you gotta lead off with Nick Mullins. Unfortunately. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: You know, and it was it Dude was, got it benched.
2: Was, how do you get benched when like, hey, the game's not over? Like you can really come back. And he like, you know what I'm saying? And he got
1: benched. You know how you get benched in that situation?
2: Well,
1: I know how. You go out (laughs) on the field, the drive prior, with the exact same scenario, like, hey, we could really come back here. And you throw it on the 25-yard line directly to an Eagles defender, like, hitting him in the chest, and he's, like, barely moving. I think he he was surprised. I I think that Nick Mullins must have had money on the Eagles. Because, like, he threw it just right to that guy and he caught it, took it in for the score. And even then, like, the 49ers, I think at that point, were down by 11. So it's still, and there was like five minutes left. So they're still very attainable. But Shanahan was like, I have seen enough and put Bethard in there. And for the most part, it worked. You know, I mean, obviously, it didn't work out in the end, but they made a run at it. And,. I mean, there were just so many things, like starting at the beginning of the game where Nick Mullins missed an open Kendrick Bourne, and then he missed a wide open Kyle Juszczyk, who had about 30 to 40 yards of open grass in front of him. If you look at the screenshot, it looks like he basically has the entire field, but there are two defense defenders covering a deep route going down the field. The moment Mullins hits Juszczyk, they turn around and they, you know they at least force him out of bounds or something. Um, Cause it's use check. He's not making guys miss. He's not necessarily just doing his thing, but it missed a wide open use check. That was probably 30 or 40 yards. I would love to see a sideline reaction to that throw because you have just, you can only imagine the collective, like everybody looks down towards the ground, hands on their knees or hands through their hair, looking up <laughs> at the sky <laughs> You know, like, it's got to be just like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. So you have those, and then you have the one interception where Mike McGlinchey basically completely whiffs on his guy. He gets in Mullen's face. But, again, that's not a time to try and chuck the ball downfield. He throws it over Trent Taylor by, like, 10 yards. It's easily picked off.
2: it 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 was, like, way ahead of Trent Taylor, and it was, like, what wh- I don't know, I don't know what what he was thinking.
1: I don't either. And it then, was it was,
2: bad. it was just bad. It was it was just bad. It was bad QB play.
1: It was, and
2: sure. and I know you know we'll touch on the offensive line, but
1: you could touch think, on them right now. For all I care, to me they're kind of like in and of the same. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, the offensive line didn't help Trent Williams. His worst game that we've seen as a 49er I mean we're only four games in but uh that might have been his
1: worst game in like a as a pro in a long time (laughs) yeah
2: you know he didn't play well at all uh obviously you know we've touched on you know McGlinchey a little bit and McGlinchey last year he he started off really slow like I was watching um I was studying him against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I was like man like this guy is not good. Like he's bad. Like he's a bad tackle. And he was bad in the run game as well as in, in you know obviously like in the in in the pass protection. Well, I watched him later in the year and he drastically improved. Now, that was week 1 that I watched and then I watched later in the year like against like Seattle and like uh the the Rams like really late in the year. Well, well, you know, so far early this year, he has definitely struggled. I don't know if he's just somebody that starts off slow, or if he's just not good and just getting bullied. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. So.
1: Right, all right. So he just had this 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 perfect storm of combinations. We had our two biggest losers as Nick Mullins in the offensive line. And just to kind of break this down to you. We knew when this game was coming up that the off, that the, the Eagles defensive line was going to present the 49ers offensive line with its biggest challenge of the year. Well, they didn't stand up to it whatsoever. Um, they gave up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 sacks. They gave up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 quarterback hits. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5 tackles for loss. And played a significant part in – uh, one of the interceptions. And then at the same time, and this was McGlinchey again at the very end of the game when the 49ers they were only the Eagles were only rushing like three or four because it was, you know, the 49ers were trying to come back. McGlinchey allows two straight pressures um, that forces Bethard to throw it away twice. I mean the Eagles played almost as big of a role in the 49ers losing this game as Nick Mullins did. Not as big of a role but it was right there. They were very, very bad. And like Crocker was saying earlier, they weren't even run blocking very well. They really weren't were doing much, doing anything very well. So it was just not great. And so, I mean, Nick Moul- back to Nick Mullins a little bit, you had his first interception where he's off his back foot, falling backwards, avoiding pressure, just kind of chucks it up and easily picked off by an Eagles defender. Uh, then you have him kind of holding on to the ball for a long time and just kind of staring downfield and with the ball up up by his head which is where you should keep it if you're going to throw it fast but at the same time um it just gets instantly batted down and that's you know the Eagles recover that that's a fumble and then there's the interception we already talked about where you know he just throws it right to an Eagles defender you know and it was it was just a horrible horrible performance and perhaps the biggest down, downside of his performance is Anybody who was interested in Nick Mullins and would be willing to give up any sort of significant draft capital probably are no longer interested. Probably not. Because they're going to look at that. I mean, obviously, they're going to look at that and see a a poorest offensive line that wasn't doing them any favors. But they're going to look at that and say, look, this guy, when he's under pressure and the chips are down and decision making is tough, he he makes bad decisions. And, and he does some dumb stuff and they're just they probably just won't be as interested they might still be interested they'll probably be willing to give up a lot lot less and, and you know that for the 49ers that sucks because they're at a point where their Mullins is restricted free agent they're gonna have to decide if they want to put a tender on him and what round what how much will that cost him so I mean that that hurt them hurt them a lot to, to watch Nick Mullins kind of put on a primetime performance like that. You know, because they're not they're not getting anything significant for him anymore. Right. Um, uh, and then you said you had Kyle Shanahan on the losers now, but it's not for necessarily a reason that's like a super big indictment, but but explain why you why you wanted to add Shanahan on there. So I actually
2: I, I saw Kyle Shanahan. You know what? It's really weird. Like every time the 49ers lose is like he called a terrible game. And it's like, dude, no, he didn't. Kyle always calls a really good game, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I thought what he did from an Execution offensive standpoint...
1: Execution is, is not his his deal. Right. Like he can only call the play.
2: Right. And I, I thought what he did from an offensive standpoint was really good. He clearly saw my quarterback is, is a little, you know, happy right now. You know, he's a little excited. And we try to calm him down. Uh, his quarterback did not execute initially. He drew up the plays that definitely worked. Um, guys wide open, Right. Uh, Kyle cannot throw the ball. He can just call the plays. So uh, I, I thought he he noticed that his quarterback was a little excited. So what he do, he went to really quick game, screens, short passes, getting the ball to guys in space, reverses, right? Reverse to Debo Samuel, uh, short pass, you know, double screen right. to use check, pa- short pass to Kittle, uh, screen to Ayuk go for a touchdown. Like he started really, like that was him. Like, okay, my quarterback's tripping right now. I can't, he tried to throw a slant on the first play of the game, wide open, should have been intercepted. But luckily Kendrick Bourne like dove and like knocked the ball away because it was going straight to a DB. Like he's like, Mullins, you're trying to lose the game. Let me take the game. Let me take it out of your hands and call things that's going to help. And he continued to do that. Now the offensive line did not help and obviously Mullins didn't help, and there were some issues there, and he tried to overcome it. It was really tough. It's hard when you're playing with a lot of backups. Now, where, I, where I, why I have him on the loser list is because there was something he did that was really questionable, and I'm like, why did you do that? Uh, he decided to kick an onside kick, and this isn't like a hindsight thing. Like I was thinking this as it was happening. The announcers were thinking it as it was happening, like, dude, there's two minutes and two seconds left on the clock. You did a good job of scoring before the two-minute warning. You want to keep those two seconds so that Philly can run because you only have two timeouts left, so the two-minute warning counts as a third timeout. So in, in this instance, you kick the ball deep. You kick it deep, and you kick it out the end zone, and you give them the ball on the 25-yard line. Well, for whatever reason, he did not kick it deep. He kicked an onside kick that gave them the ball at midfield. Really, I don't know how two seconds didn't run off. Like the guy bobbled it and then recovered it. Only one second ticked off. I think got a little bit of home cook cooking there. Um,
1: yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, that was really weird. But uh, it it was just uh, it it never made sense. So it, what what ended up happening from there? And again, this is not me speaking in hindsight. This is me thinking at the time of. The, the his decision to kick an onside kick, like you, you're if, when you give it to them at midfield. Now you stopped them three straight downs, like you thought you would, right? They ran it, they made you use all your timeouts, they used a two minute warning. So you did what you had to do in the sense of getting the ball back and what they were most likely going to do, no matter where they lined up. But now when they punt the ball, you get the ball in like 10 yard line and you have to try to go 90 yards with no timeouts in a minute and a half and CJ better in to try to win the game. Like, that was terrible. Whereas if you pu- kick the ball to the 25, and let's just say it plays out exactly how it played out. A run, right. stop, run, stop, and then a sack for like 10 yard loss. You probably get the ball around the 35, 40 yard line. And you're in a much better position with the same amount of time to try to score. Only you have a 30 yard head, head start, you know? So yeah, him doing that, I thought that was extremely weird. <laughs> and I'll just say for that one weird decision, I'll kind of give him a loser tag because 49ers clearly had an opportunity to still try to win the game, um, but I don't think that helped. So I'll give him losing for that, but not for a reasons why I saw a lot of other people on Twitter saying, which he called a bad game. I thought he called it a terrific game uh, considering the circumstances.
1: Kyle Shanahan was attempting to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Like, he did not have a lot to work with. The team wasn't playing good. There's only so much you can do when when everything's like that. But I do agree with you. And and if you think about it, too, like, where the the Eagles, if, if the 49ers would have pinned them back against the, you know, pinned them to the 25, not pinned them, but they would have got them started on the 25-yard line, it, if anything, it would have forced the Eagles to be – I mean, they were already conservative in what they called on the 50-yard line after the onside kick. But if you're on the 25-yard line, you, you're almost forced, you know, from a team – against a team that's trying to make a comeback, you, you're almost forced to do nothing but call conservative plays, you know, to just kill however much clock you can kill, try to get them to use the timeout. You can't throw the ball. Those are free timeouts if you, they don't complete them. You can't have a turnover because they they're instantly in scoring range. You know, like, I feel like the 49ers would have put the Eagles in a much tougher spot if they booted into the back of the end zone and they're on the 25. You know, it it just was a weird decision. I mean, maybe they were just... And and even if,
2: say, the returner's like, you know what, no matter how deep they kick it, I'm going to uh, return it so we can get those, you know, 40 seconds or whatever. Um, and you know, run off the two seconds, so then it you know, in turn, it will make the 49ers quote unquote lose the timeout. Right. Even then, if he re- if he if you kick it to the back of the end zone and he brings it out, you're probably gonna tackle him around the 10 yard line. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. right. If he kick yep. it at the back of the end zone and tries to run it out. So even then you still you know, okay, yeah, you lose 40 seconds, but you're gonna start around midfield now with about a minute ten to go. You know what I'm saying? Like you're still in a much better position. So all the way around, I just thought it was really weird. Unless you just think like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna recover it, but it's like I don't even know what the fuck. If, I think.
1: Right. I was just gonna say. I was literally just gonna say if 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 the onside kick would have looked recoverable and had been competitive and maybe the team fought for it and didn't come up with it, I would be like, okay, okay, I get it, you know. But like they just kicked it. Robbie Gould just kicked it right to an Eagles defender, and he just laid down and caught it and it was like, "All right, cool, good shit, you know, and it so but yeah that's that's the end of our our loser segment uh any closing thoughts there crocker i, I feel like we we've done a pretty good job here summon that summon that bitch up,
2: yeah, no man, we summed that bitch up, I think that's
1: good <laughs> good, good bitch um so I mean that's it, that's it for another episode we uh you guys. Sh- when I did the
2: play, you know, I just tweeted, bitch, in all caps. Did you see it? No.
1: <laughs> when he hurdled?
2: Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was like I, That was just my that was my reaction. And everybody, I mean, it was just bitch with hella exclamation points in all caps. <laughs> everybody knew exactly. I'm like, oh man, like that was so dope. Like, I used, like.
1: <laughs> all right. Everybody knew exactly what you're talking about. I just, all I could do was. Cause usually, you know, I'm I'm trying to just write what the play was, and and all I could write was like I was like, I you just hurdled a guy, and I I mean he cleared him like that's all I could write like I mean like he cleared him like he was so far over him it was ridiculous, um but anyways anyways uh, we will hopefully you guys are getting this um on Tuesday morning uh, somewhere around there and. We will not be recording tomorrow but then we will be back at you on what would be Thursday morning for you uh, with our mailbag. On Wednesday on Wednesday, we will tweet out that we are recording our mailbag podcast. So show up and show out. Be on the lookout for, for those tweets from me and Crocker so you guys can ask your questions and we will uh, we will take any and all questions on uh, when we record our mailbag episode on Wednesday. Uh, again if you don't if you're listening to this and you don't have a Twitter account, make a twitter account and follow at rob underscore louder l o w d e r and eric underscore crocker His name is easier to spell than mine so follow us on Twitter and get those questions in we we answer them all however long it takes we answer them all and sometimes we we take too long, but I don't care. I like the fact that we get to answer everybody's questions so uh be on the lookout for those tweets if um you know track us down on Twitter ask your question get your voice in there. That'll be us on Wednesday evening, and you guys should get that on Thursday, and then we'll be breaking down uh, the Dolphins game on uh, to you guys Friday morning. So, as always, I appreciate the sport. But for another week, this is striking gold. Signing out. Peace. The wait is finally over. Football's back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. That's blue wire, all one word. BetOnline is your online sports book experts.